Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the annual Alleluia Church Music Conference. In this session, entitled Developing Student Leaders and Helping Them Succeed, David Toledo reminds us that there are tremendous opportunities for leadership development within the church's music ministry to students. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at baylor.edu slash alleluia. Starting off with the task to seek to transform teenagers from older children into mature young adults thoroughly equipped to take positions of leadership among their peers and within the local church. I, th- I view you know, from scripture as a minister's task is to equip the body for ministry. I think that's, that's what our jobs are as ministers of the gospel, among other things. So that's been a challenge for me to speak very honestly. Um, part of it is, you know, my position kind of evolved from a part-time to a full-time thing, and I just felt this pressure to justify why I'm around. <laughs> just honestly, so I'm, I was working like crazy to do it all myself. And, and that's been exciting because I've got to do a lot of neat things, but at the same time, I, I'm just kind of reevaluating. You know, I'm not giving students the opportunity to take some ownership. It's they're kind of um, just doing this like they do any other activity at school and along for the ride. And I, I, I think I think we can be more successful if we involve them in the process. So that's where we're going at, and you know, really looking at identifying kids that are, you know when they come in as sixth and seventh graders, finding the ones that have obvious that leadership qualities, encourage that, but then also hopefully bring some things out of other teenagers. So that's that's the task. That's where I'm that's where I'm coming from. All right, let's start with this. This is a quote from Doug Fields. Is that, do you know who Doug Fields is? That name ever that name yeah, right okay, yeah. Doug Fields is the pastor at Saddleback Church in California. Is the student pastor. Yeah. Now let me say up front, I'm not a huge fan of everything that church does, but I think Doug is on the right track with some of this stuff. So that's why I, I, I just needed that disclaimer. Students need to hear from us that they are gifted and talented and that they are able to carry out God's work. Some teenagers believe that if they're not outgoing or popular or lack the upfront type personality, that they can't carry out the work of ministry. It's important for sure to encourage them and to challenge them by painting the potential that they have. I think that's a great quote. I have so many students over the years that did not see themselves as natural leaders, either musically or just or just with basic leadership potential. But I could see that they've got those qualities. And um, you've really got to sometimes encourage them to step out of their shell and see what they can they, they can become. Um, I think that's just good in general, but I think in, in ministry that's an important thing that we do. Um, so painting potential. How let's just let's just have a little dialogue here. Um, how do you find out the gifted, the, the talents and the abilities that your that your people that you work with have? Just what are some what are some ways that you do it? Do you have any kind of systematic way, or you just kind of observe and you know? Or what does your church do? Maybe not your maybe not your choir. Let's let, let's zoom out a little bit out of student music and go. Does your church have any way that somebody joins their church? Your church, you go. We have a place of ministry for you, and they go. How do I figure it out? Does your church do anything like that to get people assimilated into the body? Yeah, when we uh, when we have new members join, they attend a class. It's called a shape class. Okay. Uh, yeah. Shape. Yeah. Okay. And um, anyway, evaluates um, what their spiritual gifts are and how they can be plugged into the church. Very basically. Yes. 
Any other, any other, does you, do your churches do anything? Well, not, there's not a programmed thing, but I think this within, especially within a choir setting, that sort of smacks you in the face because you start seeing students that will be helping out their peers or see students that, you know, just very quietly, it's not like they have to be getting up and being really loud. There'll be some that'll be outgoing enough to make suggestions. There's some that you can tell that they're like, they're musically leading by like, if there's, uh, say if you have like a half step distance that, that they're having trouble holding, you'll have to hear one kid just like, trying to get everybody else to get sure. it right. And so it's just monitoring the choir, those people just start sticking out. I don't know, I, I don't know if there's a systematic way. Most of the things that I've seen happen both with, well, with teens and, and adults too is that you, you know, just an opportunity came up. Like I, I had choir members, I, one I can think of in particular, that I, he was a good tenor and he, and he sang and everything. And the opportunity came up for him to be part of the uh, or praise band, and he started doing more improvisatory work. And said, "I didn't know he could do that." He didn't know he could do right. that. Right. He just started doing it. You know, God just pr provided the opportunity, I guess, and he just he just blossomed. And I don't I don't know, except just to provide lots of different opportunities, encourage people to encourage people to try and give give them give them freedom. To, to at least try something. That's a good, that's a good way of saying that. Um, and then sometimes you just notice things. Like I, I had a I had a young lady that she really wasn't that good of a musician, that wasn't that good of a singer. But I saw her when when she sang, she emoted. She just came alive. And she was getting ready to go to college. She was she's an art major. She she does all sorts of she she paints and does all sorts of things like that. She's very good at it. But I told her mother. I said, and I told her and her mother. I said. You know, I think you'd be really good in drama. I think you need to pursue some drama stuff. So she tried out as a freshman at Centenary College. She tried out for a, a drama production. And lo and behold, God over over a lot of other people. And now she's in all sorts of drama production and just loving it. You know, and and her her mother uh, encouraged her. She she said something to her mother about about this uh, tryout, and, and she said, "Remember, Brother Tom told you." Uh, that he thought that you had some potential in it. Said, I, I think you need to try it. And it, and it gave just that one little thing was enough to give her the courage to try out. And now she's she's an actress. That's that's fantastic. That's a great example of that. But I, I don't I would I would like to, to know if you have a systematic way to find. We're gonna talk about one um, here in just a second. And let me let me also just back away for a second. Um, what we're gonna talk about today is this this part is not gonna sound very musical at first. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest with you. It's like, well, this is not even choir stuff but I believe that and that's the reason I don't call it youth choir I call it student music ministry it's a reminder to me every time we do it that it's three things it's about teenagers it's about music but it's also about ministry and that's where my heart is these days is ministering to these kids the, the music is just a tool that, I, that God's given me a tool in six years with these kids to help them become more like Christ so that's my goal okay is to help them become more like Christ now, music happens to be, I think, the best tool we have in the church's disposal of doing it. And we love to make great music, and, and there's a lot of things to do that. But ministry, to me, is the, is the number one priority. So, that and leading in worship. So, that's why I'm going with this, where we're going with this. Um, you said you did Shape at your church. This is a, this is a program 
that I'm going to find, I'm trying to find ways to implement at my church in my student music ministry. We're not doing this church wide, um, but this may not be a perfect fit for you. But this can maybe spur some thoughts about how to identify those leaders and help them figure out their their leaders. So this is um, Eric Reese is um, a discipleship pastor. This is a, a syst- kind of a system he came about with. I think it's just a good. If anything, it's a good way to talk to your students and help them to think about their abilities. The first one is for spiritual gifts. Um, obviously, we know that that all Christians are gifted by the Holy Spirit in certain areas, and those are... I, we forget. I, I forget this, y'all, and I, I'm sure you probably do too. We've heard it for so long that we forget about it. We forget, you know, we, we forget what it was like the first time as a teenager to hear, you know what, the Holy Spirit's empowered me to do something in the church. That's a radical concept for a 15-year-old. That I have a gift and that it's needed in this church body. You know, I've read, we've all read the list in 1 Corinthians and everywhere else, and it's, we just kind of glaze over it. But that's, at one time, that was radically new for us. And our teenagers, some of them never heard this before. So helping them discover that gift, and it's a set of special abilities that God has given to you to share his love and to serve others with. Um, I think we should encourage students to explore those areas that they think they're gifted spiritually. Um, this is where discerning eye helps. You know, you see very compassionate students. There, I've I've set of girls that are just that. They have that personality. I had two girls this year on choir tour that are a little socially uh, not adjusted. I guess that's the the best word. One of them is slightly autistic, very slightly. In fact, I didn't know that until recently. But um, just not socially adapted. And I put two of my, my leader girls who are that personality, put them in the room with them. And I, I said, you know, Hope Bree, here's what I need you to do this week. I need you to be an encouragement to these other girls. And they're using their spiritual gifts to minister. And that's a way of empowering them to use their spiritual gifts. And that's just one, that's an encouragement. Some people are organizations, people are administration. You know, ident- you, you help them identify them. Now, if you're like me, you've probably taken 15 or 16, you know, spiritual gifts inventory list over the years. I know I have. Um, I'm not suggesting that, but, you know, put your, put your here's just a challenge for you. Take, take those lists of spiritual gifts in from Scripture and take your list of students and try to, just from your observation, what do you think their spiritual giftedness is? If you're trying to find leaders, you don't want to find someone who's terrible, terrible at organization, think they have the gift of administration, and put them in charge of something that needs to be organized. That's just not wise use of their resources. And the second one, and this one, I like this one a lot, it's your heart. What, what are the things that they're passionate about? Um, I have some students that are passionate about, they light up when we go to like homeless shelters. And they will spend the entire time ministering to those type of people. We, we were serving in New Orleans um, this week, and we were painting a house. We, we stripped pride to paint a, a house in like six hours with this family. That was a lot of hard work. I had two girls who took the little, the little children and just went inside and played with them the entire time we were there. And that was their heart. I've seen them do that in other areas. So look and observe your students and see what they're passionate about and see what really moves them. I have one, I've, I've had students in the past who are very, very passionate about social causes. Encourage that. Find ways to use that, though. They can lead their peers in that. 
All right, the next thing is their natural abilities. And this is, this is really where music has a, an opportunity that it's harder to figure that out in other church, uh, churches. There's not many things that you need ability to do in church. Music is one of them, I think. Um, well, it needs to be one of them, for sure. So um, we have a responsibility, I think, to take the natural abilities and improve them. Do you have a way that a student can, or let me, not a way, do you have an idea of a student who comes in as a seventh grader, how they're gonna get from seventh grade to 12th grade and what they're gonna learn musically? If you don't, you need to know that. You need to think that through. I mean, and that's a challenge to me because we all get, I, I'm great about having all this stuff going in, in, in August and January. And I have these wonderful plans about how all my warm-ups are gonna tie into, tie into pedagogical techniques and it's great for about three weeks and then I get busy. But you know, keeping that in front of you and going, all right, I want to develop these students' abilities. These are the things I want them to do. I want them to learn how to sight read. Well, if I never put new music in front of them, they're never going to learn how to sight read. So it just kind of goes back to developing their abilities. I think as ministers, we have a responsibility to do that. Um, so a set of talents. Personality is the next one. We all know we have students that, are, that have very different personalities. We have extroverts, we have introverts. We have people who are comfortable speaking in public. We have people that are just petrified of doing it. All of these things work together to, to identify leaders. And lastly, the experiences um, of life. We have teenagers in our, in our ensembles that come from divorced homes, abused homes, um, terrible experiences that have shaped them. We have other students who, who've grown up in a caring, loving environment. All of these things have made them who they are. So their spiritual gifts, their heart, things they're passionate about, their, um, their abilities, their personality, their experiences all make up our students or who they are. Now, what that means for student music ministry, this is, this is my lens, is how I look at my students and how I go, where, where, are the, where are the students that have the right mix of these five things to be leaders in my, my groups? So I, that's my lens to evaluate it. Now, one last thing that Reese says, he talks about a kingdom purpose. And this is, I think, a great quote. Your, your kingdom purpose is your specific contribution within your generation that causes you to totally depend on God and authentically display his love toward others all through the expression of your uniqueness. I think we need to get teenagers to, to buy into this because so many teenagers just feel like they're lost in the crowd. They don't have anything to contribute. They're not popular. They don't have a... Man, just remember back to your high school days. You, I mean, so much of a teenager's uh, personal worth is wrapped up in whether they're in a relationship or not. I mean, really, that, that life, that's a life-altering thing for a teenager. But to help them to, to shift away from thinking about themselves and how I feel to going, you know, God has a purpose for me right now, not when I get older, not when I get out of college, but right now, helping them buy into that will, will set them on the path to doing some incredible things. And then this is just a passage of scripture. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. All right, so that's, that's just kind of an overview of how to identify them, I think. Now let's talk about getting leaders and, and what we're going to expect from them. Um, we have a couple of levels of expectations in, in, my, in our ministry. If you want to come to choir, just show up. That's all I ask of you. Just be there. There's no audition for choir. Anybody is welcome to sing in my choir. Okay, you just, just show up. I'm gonna sign you up. I'm gonna give you a t-shirt and a folder slot, and you're here. Um, 
now we have ensembles and other things that have a little more requirements. Um, the group that's really got the most requirements, interestingly enough, is our worship band. Because they lead worship every week for our students. So we hold them to a higher standard. And we explain to them why we do that. Um, and here are just some, some, some expectations that, that they get from me. And this is, once again, I think this is all tied into our responsibility as ministers. Um, we, we just say, you know what, one of the expectations of being a leader in this group is that you're going to grow spiritually. And I'm not going to say I need you to check off your Bible reading every day, but the, there, you need to be a, there needs to be a way for you to measure it. You go, am I seeing you know, Ben grow? Is he different than he was last year? Finding ways to do that. Um, honestly, it just requires an investment of your time to do this. Um, now let me back away for just a second. We're talking about student ministry, but um, how are, let's just start right here, with spiritual growth. How is your teenagers growing spiritually going to affect your group? How is that going to help your ensemble? This would be an obvious question, but think about it. Is that going to make them sing any better? Well, it might because it might um, grow them in a sense of connectedness. Yeah. I guess a lot of times, and a lot of times student leaders are older, and the younger ones will look up to them often. Yeah. You know, Fantastic. So um, if they feel a sense of um, a group that obviously is going to help them out. Well, connecting the text with their own spiritual growth, and then, you know, I think my favorite thing is when they make when they make connections, and I see it. Oh, it's just it's a beautiful thing. It's it's what charges me up for ministry. When I see a teenager go, hey, this scripture goes with that song, and this is what it means, and they all put it together, and it's like a light bulb goes off. It's perfect. I think spiritual growth in your teenagers will improve your sound, because for me, you know, it it will. Their spiritual maturity eliminates so much of, I need y'all to be quiet, I need you to focus right now. All this stuff that I waste time in rehearsal on every week. I told earlier, I need, a, I need a shirt that says, please be quiet, because I say it so many times in rehearsal. But growing spiritually, now this is for all the students, but especially for your leaders, you know, this is, this is an expectation, and, and this is just the first expectation. Well, one of the things that yeah. fits into that is to, is, is to being aware of the uh, of the message of the song that they're singing, and and emoting that. Uh, I remember I, 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 the, the times when I've been the most quote successful is, is when some is when some of my kids have gotten this, and I get feedback from the from whoever they're singing to that you know I, I can just see it in their faces, you know. And then I uh, I remember one time I, I had uh, I took parts in Nashville, and we were singing for a men's. Uh, rescue and I, I told the kids I said you cannot just stand up there like statues and sing. We started off with a very very energetic song that, and and, and uh, it was sort of a chorus type thing. We start off and, and I said you've got to you know you've got to have that energy. You've got to you've got to show these guys you know that that joy that love of Christ is in your heart. And the guys there were about seventy guys in this rescue mission this chapel is mandatory for them. They had to be there. Right. But they started singing, they started clapping and giving energy back to the, the, the energy in that room, all of a sudden, about 30 seconds into the song, mm -hmm. the energy was just amazing. And the kids got it. They, stood, they suddenly remembered all those things that I was telling them. 
and all of a sudden, I was I was playing the keyboard and trying to lead them at the same time, and all of a sudden, who are these kids? I've never heard them sound that right. like like that before. They got it, and and it, it was just you know it was just marvelous. Just just in that one context, they finally realized that what they were doing was ministry to these guys. Exactly. One of the things that I do with my choir often is um, I'm a very verbal director. I had to work on that over the years because for the first you know college you, you videotape yourself doing out rehearsals and you realize how much you talk, talk in rehearsal. So I really try to limit that in, in the rehearsal time, but I do build in at least five to ten minutes at the end of every rehearsal, if that's a devotion or whatever. But a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, I want you to all read through the text of your songs. And when you think you have a good idea of what this song is about, raise your hand and I get them to share. And we talk about it, and I, I, I encourage them to get beyond Sunday school answers and to really think about it and go, okay, that's good, that's what that means. Now, what does it mean? How does this affect your life? Does this mean anything to you personally? You know, what does it mean to sing, you know, create in me a clean heart, oh God? How many of you don't feel like you have a clean heart? You know, just helping them think about it, and, and you, you know, your job as a leader is to go, okay, here's your, here's your thought process. Let me turn it this way. What do you think about that? And that's growing them spiritually, helping to see them develop. Another area of expectation that I have for my leaders is just faithfulness. There is a higher faithfulness requirement from them. Um, you know, I've, over the years, I've had different requirements for my students. For my students to go on tour, they have to get 80% of the rehearsals in the spring. That's my requirement. Um, I joke with them. I don't always get that. I'd say, if you're, if you're under 80%, you get to wash my car and do all kind of fun stuff. But that never happens. But, you know, for my leaders... It's more like 95%. I, I expect them to be there. And our praise band, they're just supposed to be there every week. I mean, it's in, in choir, you can hide. In band, if the bass guitar is not there, you can't hide from that. So um, one of the things that I also require of them is that they let me know when they're not going to be there. I don't, you know, it's nice when other members let me know, but for my leaders, they, they need to let me know ahead of time when they're not going to be there. All right, here's another area, moral integrity. And there are a lot of ideas out there about whether or not we should let non-Christians play in our worship bands and all those kinds of things. I agree 100% that there's, there's, there's opportunities for grace and there are things like that. I think with teenagers, however, that your, your position, your students of leadership need to be above reproach mainly because teenagers are the most judgmental people on the planet. And they get this sense of that's not fair, that he's up there doing this, I know what he's doing. Adults understand a little better that, you know, I can say, yes, he's not perfect, but I, I'm encouraging him, I want him to develop. Teenagers will never get beyond it, that's not fair. So I just don't, I don't even do it. Uh, there's, you know, your situation's different. Teenage and leadership positions, you know, um, any kind of sexual activities, not, you know, if I find out about it, we're going to have one conversation about it, and that's it. Um, alcohol, drug use, any of those types of things. It's just up front. This is an expectation. You don't have to serve. Yeah, I'm going to love you. If you mess up, I'm going to love you still. But this is just an expectation. I explain to them why. Um, you know, it's scriptural. Therefore, the overseer must be above reproach. <laughs> The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Let's go, hey guys, it's biblical. It's not me wanting to be mean. It's just this is what I think scriptures say. 
Um, and then other passages, Daniel 1, 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. These are all passages that I te- use as an opportunity to teach my leaders and go, you know, God is, if you're going to take a position of leadership, there's some responsibility involved with that. I explain the expectations. Um, they sign something for me. They go, hey, here's how it works. Um, you know, I explain the consequences to them. Don't wait until there's a problem to decide how to handle it. This kind of grew out of a situation we had our, with our praise band. We didn't really have a good audition process. We kind of just gathered a whole bunch of kids together that could play. Well, we had one student who was, who was going out drinking on Friday nights. We were like, how are we going to do this? And that person was a staff member's kid. We had, no, we, had, we had not done this up front. We didn't have something saying, this is the expectations. We didn't have anything saying, this here's how we're going to handle it. So it was a very, very, uh, we had to handle that delicately of how to deal with it. Having the expectations up front just solves it. For us, it's one time, you have, there's one time you have a conversation. If, hey, this is what we've, we've heard. I need to know from you what's going on. Um, there's, like I said, there's grace one time, and then after that, it's over. And, you know, we, we say, you're going to need to sit out for about six months in leadership position. And they get that, especially if you tell them up front. So that's kind of how we handle moral issues in our, in our student leadership. Um, here's some questions that I, that I get the students to ask of themselves. You know, is this thing that I want to do, is it going to be helpful to me? Is it going to help me be a better believer? Is it going to help me in life? And I just pointed to 1 Corinthians. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. This goes beyond the students. This goes for personal. You know, what I'm involved in, what I'm investing my time in, is this helping me become who God's called me to be? Um, does it get me in its power? And this is a great passage for, for teenagers. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be a slave. I will not be enslaved by anything. And just go, guys. Okay, you know, some people will argue about alcohol and cigarettes and all this stuff. And go, hey, this is what the Bible says. Does it get you enslaved to its to its power? Scripture says you shouldn't be controlled by those things. And lastly, will it cause others to stumble? First Corinthians eight seven through thirteen. All right, I got some more questions here. Is it glorifying to God? That's an easy one. I think we've all heard that when we were in you. You know, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Are you displaying a servant attitude? And these are the characteristics I, I require of my leaders to be humble. Off of 1 Peter 5, 6. Likewise, ye who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. My leaders, especially my seniors, know that I don't tolerate showing off. If I get if I get a kid, oh, I want to travel solo. I want to travel solo. You're the last one to try it for. If you're wanting to try it for, because you want to show off. Um, I have relationships with them that I can tell them that privately, but they need to bottle humility to my other students. All right, let's let's pull back here for a second. Um, do any of you have any kind of leadership structure in your student in your student choirs or anything like that? Not currently. Do you want to have some kind of leadership structure in your choir? Sometimes. I've had kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I just drove blank, of course. Um, Kind of an advisory committee uh, is basically what I had that kind of helped me relate and know what's really going on with folks and what. They really like the music and people are happy. And I had my last church, and uh, it, uh, it 
that's kind of about the extent of how it went. I'd like to have seen it gone further. I didn't have enough time to do that. So let's pull it back from youth choir. Have you ever been in a in a musical organization that's had some leadership outside the director? What did that look like? What did that look like? Oh, we have uh, section leaders. We have a bass section leader, tenor section leader, alto section leader, soprano section leader. And so um, whenever we have sectionals, you know, whenever we'd want to break it up into different groups, uh, each section leader would uh, take those students and um, work music. But again, I'm not sure if it's a What level was that? Was it college? Okay. Does that work? Can you, do, you, do you envision that working in a high, in a high school bar? Depends on the choir. I don't know that I would. I, I mean, I'd be I'd be hesitant. Usually, what I have, I have some adults that help. Um, I don't know. I, I've never tried the section leader approach. I'm just like I said. I'm, we're kind of learning from each other here. Any other? You were shaking your head. Well, I was going to say the section leader thing that um, is a good idea, but in a youth choir setting, it might be a better idea to get um, students that may be a little more spiritually mature because those who are more musically mature may not be more spiritually mature. And to have kind of a team of, um, I know when, when I was in college, we kind of had a team. We had section leaders and stuff for the musical aspects. Um, my director also had um, a couple of us to kind of be a voice for the choir. Um, you know, and so that's a good connector. Um, but that's also a school setting. So I feel like in a, in a church choir, there would probably be a little more communication I'll be very honest with you. I've struggled over the years of what this is going to look like for me. I've tried a few different things. I don't, I, I've, hesit, I've been so hesitant to go, and we're going to do president advice, for like, all this stuff like that. Because I remember I was, I was the president of the high school choir and didn't do anything, right? It's like, what was that about? Okay, you know, so I'm like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing something just to have, you know, that's actually a point later on. It's not our goal to give them something to put on their resume for school. Um, but, you know, what is, it, what is a really, an approach that can give them real input, but still give me the level of control that I need. Um, and the kind of the phrase that I've come up with lately is controlled choices. If I control the choices, then I'm happy with the result no matter what it is. Really coming up with, I mean, up even to the point of tour, okay guys, here are three choices, let's talk about it. And whatever this group decides, that's where we're going. Now if I control all three choices and I'm okay with any three of them, then they feel like they planned choir tour. I mean, and it's great for me and great for them. But it's controlling the options. Now the danger is, what do y'all want to sing? Never do that. Never. I mean, not unless you're giving them the options of what do you want to sing. Now I said earlier, my middle school choir director does that, but she gives. They sing at the beginning of the year. They sing through like 12 or 13 pieces, and they pick the six or seven they like the best. And middle schoolers love that. Man, they're they're at an age where they have no control over any aspect of their life. And to feel like they got to choose the direction of the choir, man, that's just, they love that. Our high schoolers, not as much, but that, for a middle schooler, that's one thing. Um, what, are some other, what are some other ways of leadership that you've seen in musical ensembles or anything? So we've got the president, the vice president, all that model. We've got section leader model. We've got um, advisory group <laughs> committee thing. Any others? I'm curious, you may know one that's a lot better than anything I've ever heard. Well, the, the only other model that I can think of is, is instead of having an official, like with positions, mm -hmm. and you know, the, there's a name for each one of these things, it's just going to different students 
seeing the needs that you have within your choir, either musically or you know, if you've got a student that's going through a tough time, um, just just seeing the different personal, uh, spiritual, and musical needs within your choir, and then um, seeing, you know, looking to your students and seeing what abilities they might have to meet those. There's there's some people that that might be able to, you might stick next to another person and be like, I want you to try to help them because they don't bring music. You might be able to stick one of them and say, no, I just, I think this one needs a friend. He's new, I he doesn't know anyone here. I want you to please become his friend. Um, stuff like that where it's just, instead of having the official structure, you just pair them up with different needs within the ensemble. That's great. That's kind of the approach I've done over the years. And what winds up happening to me, and just honestly, I keep going to the same kids because I know I can trust them and I typically really do this, and you never get beyond three or four kids that you use for those type of situations. That's just been my experience. So I'm trying to, you know, in my mind, how do, how do I do this a little, not, not too structured, but structured enough that I know that I'm getting, getting a lot of needs met. All right, well, let me show you where I'm, where I'm going with this, my, with my ensembles. And it's kind of a collaboration of everything we just said. Okay, um, I don't have section leaders, I will say that, because I use my adults for that job. I, um, I have a lot of adult volunteers that are, many of them are members of our adult choir. And I can say, I need you to do one piece, and I need you to do for 20 minutes. And we got an accompanist, you don't have to worry about that. Will you just make sure they can sing this part? And that usually works. Um, fortunately, I'm in a large enough staff where we have enough staff members, that music staff members, that we kind of divide that up. And, you know, so that, that, uh, that helps, but so that's why I don't have section leaders. But I do, for the first time this year, I am gonna have president, but I, 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 if you can come up with better names, I'd be more than happy to hear a better name than president of my choir. Uh, uh, What's the one? Uh, the youth, I'm trying to remember what he, he came up with something that was, was well, I thought that was better, I just can't think of it. Boss. I know what it is. Boss, <laughs> the boss. They love that. Um, what I focused on is not so much the title, but the responsibilities, right. and that, that's where I've really zeroed in on. So my students don't even know about this yet. It's, I've been contacting individual students one by one this summer to let them know. All right, first of all, um, I said this earlier, you have to determine what works best for you, okay? Um, my, my students, a lot of them are involved in choirs at high school that have some structure and they're used to it and it works. I actually contacted all the high school choir directors in the district and go, How do you, what's your structure in your organization? Uh, the director of Keller High School has, and I've, I'm, honestly, I used a lot of what Ms. King does because it, it's really good insight. She says, you know, I really let the students run with this and they respond to it. So you've got kids that are, that are familiar with the structure. It's good to, to keep something familiar. Um, the most important thing, and this is going back to my days as the president of my high school choir, I had no responsibilities, so I just, it was something I put in the yearbook and had my picture taken and that. But instead, we need to give them specific tasks and empower them to fulfill those roles. Here's something that's going to be interesting. I'm going to have one adult connected with each position, and they're going to work together, okay? We'll see how this looks in just a, in just a minute here. This year, the first year, I'm selecting these people. We're not electing them, not doing that. This year, I'm going to go to each person you go, this is what I'd like for you to do, will you pray about it? And then next year, after they get the idea, then we'll have elections. I'm gonna vet all the choices. Um, but that, I think that's gonna work for us. All right, so let's talk um, 
although that's just real. I hate the name, but I don't know his name better yet. President. First and foremost, he's going to represent our ministry in a positive, positive and responsible manner, this person. I want this person to be the person when someone in our church thinks about our student music ministry, this person comes to mind. Okay? The way they look, the way they act, all those things. Um, secondly, when we have our meetings, I'm really going to let this person take charge. I'm going to, I'm going to give him the, um, the outline of what, what we want to say, but I'm going to sit back and go, and the kid who I'm going to use is a guy named Stuart. Stuart, I want you to lead this meeting. And most of them have never been in that kind of situation. It's good training for them just to go, hey, you've you got to lead this. You've got to be able to nip this conversation in the bud and go from there. And that's going to be one thing. But this next one is the one, well, by demonstrating your trust, you elevate the respect. I think that's true. Very true. This is the one that's my main focus for this person. Anytime we have any kind of announcement or anything to our church, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. Stuart's going to be the one doing it. He is going to be the face of our choir, of our ministry, not just the high school choir, but all of our stuff. So if we're excited about tour, if I'm going to have someone here a report about what we did at camp or choir tour, it's going to be this person. Because yeah, I know that I can trust them. I know that they can, they'll do it right. Um, so they're going to be the face of the ministry to the congregation. Okay, so that's their primary role. Their person. This is also going to be the you know of any leadership type thing. You know, this person's also going to be the most servant-like person I have in my choir. Oh, that's going to be an expectation. Next one. Vice President. All right, I don't know what to call this. In a nutshell, this person is going to be the face of the student ministry to the students. Okay? This person is going to be the one that that works with the student pastor and some other things. Um, publicity is a big one, and this starts to look like a high school event, but... Um, I think, it's, I think it has some ramifications in, in church work. Um, you want to promote your stuff, not just to have more people at a concert, but the more, your, the more your name, the more your choir gets out there in places where your teenagers are, the more they, want, they, they view that as an attractive thing. And that can't, it's so much better when it doesn't come from us. You know, I'm just not a very cool person. I've, I've accepted that fact, and I'm fine with that fact. You know, my best, the best people in my choir to advertise it are, are my kids. And getting that out there, talking it up in school, in their church, in their youth groups, um, this person's going to be, you know, responsible for that. They're going to be the ones who get up, you know, once every two, three weeks in their youth worship service and say, hey, we're doing these things, you need to come join. Um, I'm really trying to ramp up and get some more students involved. Um, and aside here, um, I've, of, I've often wondered... How am I going to judge, evaluate my group? Are we growing properly? What's the right number? Um, what I decided a long time ago was not to go, I want X amount of students in choir. What I've done, I've gone to a percentage basis. I want this percentage of my entire student ministry to be involved in my music ministry. Does that make sense? Because not everybody's going to be involved. There's people who are not music involved. But if I can get 45% of the teenagers that are involved in my youth ministry, involved some way in my student ministry, that's kind of my standard as I look at that. Um, that works for me. That's a good number for me. But that, that keeps me from getting frustrated. Well, my numbers aren't the same or whatever. But um, this, that, that's kind of how I go with that. But anyway, let me jump back in here. Um, they're going to give the announcements. 
This is another one. This is where our ministry is right now. We've got multiple ensembles on both grade levels. We have high school choirs, ensembles, bells, praise bands. We have that, all three of those things for high schoolers and for middle schoolers. Um, we used to take tours together, now we don't. In fact, this year we did one thing together as, as high schoolers and middle schoolers. We need to do better than that. The teenager, the high schoolers, I want them to lead the middle schoolers. Um, Randy Edwards talks about this model of chair leadership. Have you ever seen this before? You ever seen Randy's model of chair leadership? All right, let me um, get out of this slide for just a second. That's not going to happen either. Hold on. Um, I skipped through it the first session, but it is it is a great picture. He does it with he, he does this with chairs in a in a room. I'm gonna do it with a PowerPoint slide because it's easier. Um, Progression of students, um, and what he does is he'll take chairs and just face them all in one way. Okay. Okay. So you've got the progression as they as they grow older, they they move this way, and this this is usually the focus of teenagers. I can't wait till I'm in high school. I can't wait till I'm a senior. I'm so glad I'm not one of those anymore type thing. Well, then what Randy does, and this is a good model, he takes this chair for the 8th grade and just turns it around and faces the 7th grader. And then he takes the the 12th, the 12th grade and turns it back to the freshman. And what he does here, and this is a great, I mean, it's a simple thing, but this is where our leadership stuff going in my school, at our churches. I'm trying to get the high school one set right now, but eventually I want to get the middle school as well, where the 8th graders this is a great age too because, you know, the difference between a sixth grader and a seventh grader is huge. I mean, just huge physically, emotionally. They are petrified when they come into seventh grade choir. The eighth graders, they feel for the first time that they belong. This is my choir. You know, you want to connect them to the seventh graders as fast as you can. So, you know, some ideas are assigning a, assigning a big buddy or, or a, a, a you know big buddy, little buddy, whatever you want to call it. One to one, you know, you're new to choir day, here's, here's the information how to do it. For the seventh and eighth graders, that's a fantastic way because what happens is these eighth graders, they feel so empowered by just a little bit of leadership responsibility that they eat it up. And the seventh graders, they're not, they're not as scared. And they also see that, hey, in a year, I'm going to be this person. Okay, so you, you get that. And then you get the 12th graders. And what I do with my 12th graders is I get them to work. Invest in the lives of my freshmen. And here, this, if you, if, you, if you work with students very often, these are the two busiest years of a teenager's life right here, school-wise, 10th and 11th grade. This is when, this is the age when I start to lose them in my choir. Because they're, they, they, get, they get a job in a car at this age, and usually a girlfriend, and they, their faithfulness starts to wane a little bit. Um, what happens, the fall of their senior year is a nightmare. So they're just trying to get through. But Keller, they do something strange with Keller. 
they like cut off grades on like March. So by March they're done education. I mean they still have to pass, but their GPA is set. So I mean my, I, I love the spring of my senior year with my seniors because they're basically free. They figured out where they're going to college, and now they're just they just want to soak up the last of it. So I really point them back to the freshmen and go, okay, I need your help. Do this. So they start investing in those freshmen, and the, and it just kind of it builds on itself. And what you really want to do is I don't need to be the one ministering to all five grades. I want my students to minister to each other. So it's just a simple model, but it really works for me. So we've got the, the, the vice president, all of this stuff. Here's a, um, a quick one here that, that's, that's important because we're running a little short on time. Um, let me jump ahead. Talked about this a little bit earlier um, in one of the earlier sessions. We've got the vice president, um, social person. He's got to plan activities, and that's one of the hardest things for me to do because I don't know what all the kids are involved in. Um, advert, advert, advertisements, encouraging participation, working with adults. I get adults to do food. Um, this person's going to be the one who, who reminds the adults. And kids, kids get a kick out of that. I'm going to remind these parents, and just just doing that um, elevates the respect level that adults have for them. Um, they're responsible for getting all these supplies. All right, the secretary. That's a. I definitely am not going to use that term. Um, but they're going to. They're going to be the one that writes everything down. Being like your typical role, they're going to be taking attendance. But this is the big one. They're going to be the ones that update all the information online. Because I, I, I use so much time doing this every week. I love it. But um, if you don't use Facebook, you need to. That's just. All I can say, it's the most powerful tool I know of to interact with students. And everything I do gets posted on there, and they see, just from from the first, from two hours ago, when we had the first session, I had four parents comment about our, our youth choirs in, since this morning. Just seeing, hey, my wife took some pictures and put them up with last night's concert. Four parents, and just since, what, 11 o'clock? And all the kids get those updates when the parents comment on it. It's just a powerful tool. But so this person's gonna help me get all this information out there. And then, um, so another one, this is something that we do, call it historian, whatever you wanna do. Every year at a home concert, we have a, a video, slideshow, pictures. This person takes the pictures all throughout the year. Um, we have birthday bulletin board. Um, this is another one, cards when they're sick, when they have a birthday. Every student gets a, every student gets a letter or a card from me every semester, just a personal, hey, how you doing? They also get a card every their birthday. They get something from me every year for the birthday. This person's gonna help me keep that organized and going. Um, we, every year we, we, we have collages in our choir room that kind of celebrate our, our tours. They're gonna put that together. Um, the slideshow, we put that on Facebook. We show that at church, they're gonna do that. And take lots of pictures. Okay, this is this is where the other model comes in. Now we got those people. Now I also grab students from every grade. Okay, um, at least one, depending on more. This is important. Okay, this is probably the most important thing I can tell you. <laughs> Make sure as you pick these people that you get all the social groups of your choir represented, because what you think, if you're like me, you have a personality. Naturally, you wind up being attracted to the students that fit your personality 
similar interest and what you think with this group of four people is a really great idea, nobody else in the choir thinks. So by getting groups, and you have to think, all right, I need the popular girls, I need the athletes, I need the guy who's just kind of there, don't know why. You need to, you need to find all those people. Okay, now what that looks like, you just need to get, make sure you're representative, all, rep, all those groups are represented. And then this, this helps you get perspective. I like to ask the questions of just, this is a, it's a safe space when we have our meetings. What do you think about our music? And I say, you can tell me that you hate it. I want to know. And I tell them, you're not going to change what we're doing, but I want to know. <laughs> you know, and, and I get good feedback. And that, that will change for next year. You know, and it, it helps me get perspective. Um, what, do, what are some things that you want to do? You know, what do you, what do you want to acquire tour? You know, my first answer is always Disney World. I'm like, dream on. Not going to happen. But, and, and it's a little learning tool because then I go, well, let me tell you why that can't happen. And they go, you mean it costs that much to take a choir tour? Yeah. You know, for them, $15,000 is like, oh my gosh, that might as well be a million dollars. Is it, are these prairie groups a, a separate group? No, they mean they, they, they're, they're part of the whole leadership team. The whole leadership team. Okay. It's teams. And um, with going back to all four of those the positions we talked about, I have adults that help those teenagers and mentor them through the process. Okay, so what happens is we have, and I didn't get it, we don't have time, but I have a whole leadership structure for my adults as well. We have meetings that are my adult leadership and my teenage leadership together. Those are usually once a semester where we get everybody together. That's my, my group, that's like 20 people. But it's great, I mean, it's, I'll tell you what, when, when students and parents see that you're organized and that you care enough about it to do it right, man, that just, that makes all the difference in the world. I, I, that and quality, quality and organization will take your, take it to, take it to the next level. Um, but these great representatives meet with us on a regular basis and we talk about that. Um, just wrapping it up here real quick. How much should they do? How much should you let your students do? Depends on your personality style. I'm a, very much a perfectionist, so I'm having to let go of a lot of stuff. It's just hard for me to do, but it's, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, it also, it depends on your church situation. Your leadership may not be real comfortable with students deciding a lot of things. And that's part of your role, maybe, is to educate your, your leadership above you, and hey, here's why. I'm really trying to minister. I'm not trying, because some people will say, well, why aren't you doing your job? Gotten that before actually. Well, I'm doing it, but here's why I'm doing it this way. Um, depends on the year, honestly. Some years you have stronger leaders than others. Once again, you know, selective choices. And just here are some resources. Um, I am not a big fan on leadership books. Really am not. Okay, but these are a few that are very good. Um, the, the, the top one, Shape, is, is what we talked about. That's the book. If you're interested in that, you can explore that. Congratulations, You're Gifted is, is Shape for Teenagers. Um, Spiritual Leadership by Henry Blackaby. Familiar with Blackaby. Um, what's the devotion about? Experiencing God. Thank you. Experiencing God. Um, the 360 Degree Leader, I recommend that to all of you for your personal lives. None of us are in the position where we get to make the final decision about the things we do. We have people above us who affect 
the decisions we make and that we have people who we minister to. This talks about serving down, serving across, and serving up. It's transformed by the ministry personally. Great book. Um, the book on leadership, John MacArthur, some very good um, biblical insights. And then Brothers, We Aren't Professionals by John Piper. It's a very, um, it's a good message to a lot of us. Um, honestly, some of us, well, all of us, we, we get to do something that we love and we get paid for it. And it's a good reminder that our ministry is not about that. Sometimes you get caught up in that. So those are just some resources. Um, we're right up at 5 o'clock. I hope this helped. Yes, he wants to well, I was I was just looking at these different positions and remembering as a, as a student going through the uh, going through these youth choir programs, I would always look at those positions and be like, that's really confusing, like those names. And being an ambitious guy, I was always like, well, I'd like to be president. Right. Um, and so why not call them what they are? President, like outreach, like, I mean, I, don't, I couldn't think of a really good name for it, but like sort of like an outreach consultant, somebody who's out, you know, focused on the adults, focused on uh, for your VP, the student relations. It's almost like HR, a social chairperson, like an event, like, I, I don't know. Event planner. But like a secretary, technology consultant. But just call them what they are. Call them because what they are. Because none, are, none of these are over each other. Right. And, but the, the names imply a structure that the president's over the secretary. And that's not at all the way it is. It's just responsibilities. Now, in my mind, the president is my primary leader. Yeah. Um, but that's the, you're right, there's no doubt in the case of the president cannot fill it, you know, none of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, but you know, that, those are good, that's, that's a good idea. I appreciate that, I'll have to think through that person. Like I said, this is a little bit of work in progress for me, but I'm really committed to it, I'm excited about it because I think it's gonna work. I really think that, that my teenagers are gonna respond to me trusting them with ministry. And that when you, when they, when they, when you connect that with helping them discover their giftedness, and they're part of the body, and then you go, hey, you're gifted, and then, hey, here's an opportunity to serve. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.